Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Today has just been a really good day, so I'm probably going to be super hyped up this episode. I hope you guys are ready. Yeah, I today has been a great day. Uh, we had a ton of snow over the weekend. Some of you, you may remember I live in Tacoma, Washington, and we don't get a lot of snow, and we got like eight plus inches, and it was just crazy. So today is like partly sunny and pretty warm compared to this weekend, so I'm really liking looking outside and not being so cold. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so crazy. I feel like most of the U.S. right now is just covered in snow. Here in Nashville, we had a ton of ice and snow, and we are about to get more. So it's kind of weird. I'm really glad I did a grocery order earlier this week. Yes. And I'm going to try not to go too stir crazy. (laughs) Exactly. I know. Ours melted really fast, so I'm just glad that I got to get outside today with my dog and go for a walk Mm. and yeah. Awesome. Well, today we are going to talk all about email marketing for writers and how writers can grow their audience, reach their audience, earn a living, and use email marketing to make all of that happen. I'm really happy, Melissa, that you are, you know, the host of this podcast with me because you definitely are more of the expert on this topic. So I'm going to lean on you a lot. Well, I, a little bit of background for anyone listening. I used to work at a publishing company when I first graduated from college and it was a really good experience because I was able to see how people can utilize books to help their brand. And I think you know, it's kind of challenging in whatever niche you're in to figure out just how to gain a following, especially for people who already have a business. The company that I worked for really focused on creating this book as like a piece of your brand. So a lot of these people that I had um, experience with already had a business and they were just looking for a way to expand and, you know, learn how to create an audience. Yeah, perfect. I'm so excited to hear um, your experience as we go through this episode because I'm, I know you have a lot of knowledge to share. So we can start off with um, how do writers grow their audience? I think this is kind of like just a generic question that a lot of creators have, like, how do I grow my audience? And I think we do talk about this kind of a lot, especially when it comes to deliverability. We've talked about this in previous episodes, even though they were like more technical, we still have talked about like the most responsible ways to grow your audience. Yeah, for sure. And I think writers maybe have a leg up on other creators. I could be wrong, but when it comes to growing your audience, I think there's so many options as a writer uh, for you to share your writing in maybe smaller ways that help people understand what you're all about and get interested in your writing so that you can point them to a sign-up form to get onto your email list to receive more writing like what you do. Because something that Melissa and I talk about a lot is that it is scary to get started when you have a small audience or maybe even no audience yet. And it can feel silly or like no one's listening, but that's not the case. You are probably going to land in the 
face of someone you didn't even know existed, but maybe something you tweet that's really insightful or helpful to someone is going to make them really excited and they want to be on your email list and they want to hear from you more. And then eventually, you know, maybe buy your book or sign up for your paid newsletter or whatever it is you're doing with your writing. But I think writers have a really great opportunity to kind of showcase their work on social media, on their blogs, if they have one, maybe on other people's blogs, if they're a guest, and you can start to help people hear your thoughts and your writing and your insight and always point them to a landing page or form where they can sign up for more. Absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of people underestimate because like you said, Alyssa, sometimes it's like overwhelming to think or daunting to think, oh, I don't have an audience or a following right now. But just speaking from like my own personal experience, I love to research things. And so oftentimes I'll find myself going down kind of a rabbit hole trying to, you know, research something I'm interested in or, you know, uh, a topic that I recently found out that I want to know more about. And I find a lot of blogs and articles that way. And if that particular writer hadn't had a sign-up form or an opportunity for me to get more involved in their thoughts and their content, I would have never signed up. And that's a very kind of like organic way for people to find you. And obviously that's not going to happen. You know, like the likeliness of you getting 200 signups in one day because everybody was Googling dog stuff (laughs) is probably not the most likely thing, but it's still an opportunity and it's one that people should not discount. So just having that forum or landing page available for people is, I think, really, like I said, it's kind of underestimated and it's really important to help give people the opportunity to be involved in your content. Yeah, I love that. And one really cool thing about email marketing for writers is that, you know, maybe when you do have a small audience or no audience, you feel like writing a book and putting out a book feels like kind of scary because you're going to write this thing and hope someone in the world reads it, but you don't have an audience yet. So one thing writers can do with email marketing is start to build your audience as you're writing your book. And then when it's time to release your book, you're going to have an email list full of people who are already interested in your writing. And they're going to be super excited once you email them and say, I have a book out, please pre-order it. So I think if you are a writer who is wanting to write a book or in the process of writing a book, it's super important that you go ahead and start your email list if you haven't already and think about what you can write that's similar to the book. So if it's a book that's inspirational and, you know, maybe for a specific demographic, maybe it's inspirational for women in their 20s. And so maybe you want to write tweets that are small, inspirational type of, you know, pieces of information and, you know, have a link to your sign up form in your bio or a link to it right there in your tweet. That's going to help people who like what you're sharing get on your email list, help them receive that sort of inspirational content from you regularly. And then once your book's done and again, pre-order's ready, you have an audience of people who already love your work and are you know excited about what you're doing that you can send out a link to pre-order mm-hmm. or order your book. So that's a way better place to be in than someone who is working on a book and isn't using email marketing Because then when it's time to release their book, they're not going to have anywhere to point people. They're not going to have an audience that's sitting there ready for that book. Exactly. And a lot of 
like authors or writers we worked with that I've worked with in the past, they kind of tagging on to what you're talking about. Um, especially like while you're writing or creating content, like you need to have a place to hold people. So while you are working on that content and getting things ready, you can, you know, drop hints or pieces of information about what you're up to. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be a list of like a hundred thousand people. Like this could be even just like your closest friends and their friends. Um, that's just like a great place to start. But then also kind of next on our list of ideas is to invite them to like events. And obviously in our world right now, events might not be something that uh, you're able to do necessarily, but you could do a virtual event. You could do a web, like a webinar. Uh, there are a lot of options for that. People are still really enjoying getting involved with things like that online. And then obviously in the future, when those kinds of things can happen in person, being able to invite those people to an event is a really great way to even have maybe acquaintances of those people on your list come to that as well. And and it just expands your circle even more. But in order to utilize those relationships, again, having a place where they can subscribe and get that information from you is super important or else, you know, that might be just one less person who misses out on an opportunity. Yeah, that's so important. So I think if we summed up what we're saying, it's kind of like if you're a writer and you are working on a book or maybe some big project of any sort, just don't create your book or product by yourself. You know, I know it can be hard. I'm sure writing is very hard for me, especially to get in the zone and get focused, but um, try not to just create in isolation. Try to create in public as well alongside your writing so that people can join in and be in your audience and be a reader of your work. And I think the people who are creating in public are going to naturally do a better job building their audience and are going to have an easier time when it comes to selling their product or services. You know, shameless plug for our CEO, Nathan Berry. And I know you're familiar with the book, Authority. It's so good. It goes into all of this we're talking about like way more. And he, you know, has a lot of experience selling books, um, eBooks. So highly recommend reading that. If any of this is interesting to you, I know it was really enlightening to me, but that's a big thing he talks about is working in public, creating in public and how helpful that can be when it comes to building an audience. Definitely. And we've mentioned before that, um, also having that audience there while you're creating can help you pinpoint things that they're interested in and want to learn. That's something that I think people also kind of underestimate. Like I like when people ask me questions. I I like being involved in a conversation. Um, and I think that, you know, if someone came to me and said, Hey, I really want to start this business, but I'm not really sure how to be the most effective, um, that I can be right now in the beginning. Like, what are some things that you're interested in about this topic? Like I would love to contribute. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So having that like open line of communication for those kinds of questions, I think is also super helpful. Yes. I love that idea. It's so good. And that helps you build a relationship as well with your readers because they feel like they're part of the creating process, which is going to help your subscribers, people on your list, be higher quality, more engaged subscribers who are helping your deliverability because they are opening and clicking and interacting with your messages. So, you know, we're telling you that you should be building your audience and building your email list. Hopefully you're convinced by now, (laughs) 
But you're probably wondering, okay, so once I have the list, what in the world do I say to them? A lot of people, I think, associate email marketing with really salesy types of emails, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think especially with authors and writers, you all have the best chance at making an email that feels so wonderful to readers and that's engaging and provides a lot of value because you're, you know, you're a great writer. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. So we can talk about um, just some examples we know of that are really great ways that writers have turned email marketing into something huge and wonderful. So a couple ConvertKit customers I have in mind. One is Tim Ferriss. So he wrote Four Hour Work Week and so many other um, books. He has a really successful podcast and in general is just, I would say, a very successful creator, writer, all sorts of things. And he has a really, really engaged audience. So he has the Five Bullet Friday newsletter. James Clear, another amazing writer who is a New York Times bestseller. I see his book everywhere I go, Atomic Habits. He has the 321 newsletter. So what both of these newsletters do really well are a few things. They're very consistent. You know exactly when you're going to receive these newsletters. You know, in Tim's, it's even in the subject line, Five Bullet Friday. His subscribers know every Friday I'm going to receive this newsletter and they look forward to it. And They each have a very uniform way of formatting the email. So with Tim's, I think I would have to have it pulled up, but I think it's um, like five, five bullets, five things that he's kind of like pondering or listening to or reading that week. For James Clear, it's three thoughts from him, two quotes from other people, and then one question for the reader to kind of sit with and ask themselves. So in both cases, they're really speaking to what their audience wants from them. They know what people who have purchased their book or have listened to their podcast want to hear, what they're looking for. And they do that every week. They deliver every week consistent, high-quality content that's just really valuable, really insightful, and very. they have very successful newsletters that I think many of us would love to have. So Another thing they do, which we'll get into the making a living part two, but I want to mention that in their newsletters, they do have opportunities for people to convert into either like a paying customer in some way or a podcast listener. They do plug things that they're working on or that they have already done. And it's done in such an authentic, natural way. It doesn't seem like a salesy message at all because they provide so much value to their readers, that it's no big deal that either of them is saying, here's a link to my book, or here's a link to become a paid newsletter subscriber. James calls his a secret newsletter, which is so awesome as well. So those are two really great examples, I think, of writers who have turned email marketing into an entire really business um, and are doing a great job serving their audience and also meeting their own needs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like that you brought up was like the consistency aspect. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast episode, Um, but just that people, when they sign up for something, especially just the way that deliverability works, consistency is really important. And so again, even though your list might be a little bit smaller or you're just starting out, actually that consistency, even if it's only to 10 subscribers is really great for your sender reputation. So think of it from both 
the standpoint of just creating content and getting in the habit of providing value to those people. But also from a deliverability aspect, it's important because you are you're you're ultimately helping yourself out for your list getting larger by creating healthy deliverability habits in the beginning. Yes. I used this kind of analogy the other day, and I don't know if it's even a good one. This is kind of a little spin on it, but imagine, you know, there's no COVID and you have a friend that likes to pop by your house. Would you prefer the friend who comes by every Friday at the exact same time and knocks on your door and you know what to expect? You're like, okay, yeah, it's Friday. Melissa's (laughs) going to come over and we're going to hang out. Or would you prefer a friend that's just like all over the place? That's a really good metaphor. They come on a Tuesday (laughs) and then two weeks from now they come again, but then they go the next day. You know, they're over at your house all the time and then you never Mm -hmm. see them for a month. Yeah. I mean, mailbox providers are the same way, you know, Gmail, Microsoft, all of that. They like consistency. They like to know what to expect. Um, So it is really great uh, for writers like Tim, Tim Ferriss and James Clear, I must combine their names. They tell exactly, you know, Gmail and Microsoft and all of the mailbox writers exactly what to expect. On Friday, you're going to see this email from me to around this many people. People are very engaged. They love it. And I can go on with my life and have great inbox placement. So that's a really great point. I love that. Yeah. And then I had written this down. I actually signed up to a few different writers, authors list just to see like what kind of content they were putting out. So I decided to go with uh, John Grisham. I'm sure many of you are familiar with his writing and he's always, I mean, I don't even understand how he creates so much content. I I mean, his books, he's got one new one every, every other day, it feels like, but I was looking through some of his newsletters and his are more focused on kind of explaining what his new book is about. Um, a different kind of niche than the other two convert kit authors that Alyssa was talking about, but definitely still, you know, using his platform to tell people who are interested about his new book. And he does it in a very like whimsical, totally his style of writing way, which I think I'm sure a lot of his fans really appreciate because it it makes it interesting to read. Another thing is they're very, the format is always very similar. So I think you also mentioned that for the other two as well, but people know what to expect. And also it's easy to read. I think a lot of people also underestimate the fact that sometimes when you have a lot going on a page, it's hard for people to focus. Um, And that's one thing I really like about John Grisham's newsletters is that it's very straight to the point. You know exactly what he's trying to say. And then there's a link to the book, but it's not in your face. And there's not too much going on within the newsletter that you get overwhelmed or don't understand what the point of it is. Yeah, that's so important for deliverability and just for readers to have Mm -hmm. very clear, you know, content, flow, call to action. Maybe that's one thing that writers might struggle with because, you know, I would assume writers like to write. You might have a really long email with a lot of Mm -hmm. text that can maybe be overwhelming to some readers. So I love that example um, and making sure that although it's, you know, showing your writing style, that it's still kind of clear and concise. And if you do want to have longer uh, writing to link to like a blog post or somewhere that they can read the full text that you're sending. Exactly. Yep. Cool. I love that example. I think you also have an example of a writer that's not using email marketing and it kind of surprised us. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was going for someone that's very well known. I'm sure it's a very polarizing author. You either love it or you hate it. I think generally speaking, 
I actually was just interested in looking up Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight, the Twilight series. And the reason I wanted to look her up was because I now live in Washington, where yes. the whole thing was oh based. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if I want to say that I'm a Twilight fan, because I don't know if that will make people have a certain kind of... Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. I do like it. Yeah. Um, but I was just interested. Like, I haven't heard much going on with her. Um I don't follow that many authors on, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'm subscribed to as many like big author Mm -hmm. lists. So it got me thinking like, are these people doing something? Am I just not, did I not think of following them? And so I went to her website and she doesn't really have anything going on as far as like an email list. And I mean, we kind of talked about this before. It could be that she just doesn't have that that outlet, I guess, like Mm -hmm. maybe she's not interested in having an email list because she doesn't have certain, I don't know. I just was surprised because I feel like the Twilight fan base is pretty large. And I thought that maybe there would be more there. Yeah. So it was just surprising to me. Yeah, for sure. And you know, no shame. I definitely, I think I was in high school. Yeah. High school when it all came out and, (laughs) oh, I loved it. I loved Twilight. I was team Edward. What about you? Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. And uh, whenever I first went to Portland for the first time, like, I don't know, five mm-hmm. years ago, I drove to Seattle and I played the Twilight soundtrack the whole way yep. there because it was just it's so great. perfect. It's a great soundtrack. <sighs> it is. Um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, I think that's an interesting point. And it is possible that just like she is totally fulfilled with the books she's read and the success mm-hmm. she's had. And she doesn't mm-hmm. have any desire to have an email list and kind of keep reaching people. She is sort of an author who can put out a book and it's immediately going to have press and going to have Mm -hmm. an audience. So uh, that's okay. You know, not everybody has that same goal, but it still is interesting to think about and to wonder like what it could be like if she decided Mm -hmm. to do that. What if Stephanie Meyer, you know, decided to have more of like a personal brand and have an email list and maybe send out her own newsletter or some sort of, you know, writing it could be massive. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, if it's not for her, that's okay. She's definitely yeah. been very she's, successful. Yeah, she's done okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I assume if you're listening to this uh, podcast episode, you're interested in growing your audience. So email marketing is definitely the way to go. And then maybe eventually if you have sold millions and millions and millions of books, you won't want to do yeah. email marketing anymore. Someone, but, yeah, someone picks up your book yeah. and wants to make it a movie, maybe that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, but I think it can still be helpful for anyone at any stage if it brings you joy. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Cool. So I think we have covered the main ways that writers can you know, reach their audience. What can you provide? So we talked about newsletters. Those are huge right now. It's so weird because newsletters have been around for a really long time, email newsletters, but right now they are just the coolest thing. Everybody's starting an email newsletter, especially a paid one, which is wonderful. So if you're a writer who hasn't started a newsletter yet, honestly, I'd say hop on the bandwagon because not only are people loving to create them, people are loving to consume them right now. I think in the age of scrolling and so much content everywhere, it's just like, overwhelming. A newsletter is kind of nice, uh, you know, in your inbox, a little bit separate from the typical social media that you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. You kind of slow down, have your coffee, maybe read a newsletter. And it usually, you know, when done well, provides the reader a lot of value. And like you said, it's consistent. 
I think people just are really loving to receive information that way. And it does make you feel really close to the sender. You feel like you're a part of their community and there's some relationship building happening there. So that would be a huge thing I would push you to do if it's something you're interested in and haven't started yet is start a newsletter. Maybe you start it off free, grow it a little bit, and then do something like what James Clear is doing and have like an exclusive secret newsletter for paid subscribers. And that's a wonderful way to start earning a living online as a writer. I think there's also a lot of like delivery methods you could choose to do this newsletter. And I think it for some people could give them a really great outlet for a little bit more creativity as far as um, not just the delivery, but how the newsletter looks and kind of what what is in the newsletter in general. But I don't know if I get as many questions anymore, but I used to see a lot of people who were starting off in email marketing and they really wanted to stylize their emails. And just from like kind of a deliverability aspect, but also growing your list, there's so many reasons that we at ConvertKit usually lean on like the, I don't want to say plain, but <laughs> less stylized and more focused on your brand and like what you're writing the email for, you know, the purpose. And so I think the newsletter can be a great way for people to, you know, like if you have it as a PDF, you can style it however you want. You can make it a little bit more uh, unique, I guess, than like an email. There are a lot of ways to make it a little bit different than just sending out like a weekly email. Yeah, that's so true. There's so many ways to set yourself apart from the other Mm -hmm. newsletters out there. Maybe if you're listening right now, you're like, everyone has a newsletter. What do I have to offer? Why would I start one? Like there's so many, but yeah, I love what you're saying, Melissa. Like you really can make it your own, even just Mm -hmm. by the way it looks or the way it feels, the tone you have. I think as a, I'm not a writer really, but as a, like a subscriber and a reader, mm-hmm. I have a ton of bandwidth right now for like subscribing to newsletters. And I would subscribe to so many if there were more that I felt like are meeting my needs and my interests. And I feel like there really aren't. I think there's still a ton of room for people to join the space and to find their audience. So I think that's another part of knowing your audience really well for some you know, people's audience, they want the plain text email. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I debated this with a, a ConvertKit coworker once. I was like, I'm a very visual person. You know, I I love pretty things. My husband would definitely, everything I look at, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so pretty. I love anything pretty. And I love pretty emails. And I think you can do it right and still have good deliverability, mm-hmm. you know, with certain, you know, guidelines that we've talked about in season one. But... I was talking to a coworker about this and he was like, I don't want any images in the emails I receive. I want it to be plain and boring. And I'm like, well, that's great for you. We're all different. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Everyone has different preferences and, you know, obviously you can't meet the needs of every single person on your list, but you can kind of find in general what people are interested in, what your audience is like. Mm -hmm. Do they love pretty things, you know, from what you can tell about what you're sending them and what you know about them? Or do they just want the text on a white background and they want it to look like you typed it up in your own, you know, Gmail account and send yeah. it to them. Some people do want that. So exactly. You can make it your own and you can meet a unique, your individual audience that is unlike someone else's audience. You're not going to have the same email list as all of these other people mm-hmm. writing newsletters. And that's exciting. You get to sort of, you know, build your own path and create your own content. Yeah. Okay. So Diving more into how in the world can you make a living 
as a writer. I know I had a friend in college and I felt so bad. She was an English major and everyone gave her such a hard time. You know, she wanted to be a writer and she's doing it. It's great. But I remember, you know, going places with her and she would tell people, I'm an English major. I want to be a writer. And they were always like, aren't you just going to be a teacher? Like no one's a writer. And um, I'm so glad. I know. It's sad. I know. I am glad though. I feel like we turned a point in our society that Mm -hmm. we now understand people can earn a living creating what they want to create. And it's wonderful. And and internet is obviously a huge part of that. So we talked about paid newsletters, which are kind of really hot right now and something you could do on ConvertKit, which is great. Um, But let's talk about some other ideas. I know you can create, which we talked about, you know, Nathan wrote a whole book on this, but Mm -hmm. you can write an ebook or, you know, make a paid PDF or a paid um, anything like an online digital good that you can sell with your writing. Yeah. Content creation, like paid content creation is really popular and, you know, you can, you can really easily self-publish online these days. And I think I, I've said this before too, like just getting that content out there, even if you don't have an entire book, like let's say you are writing a book and you want to just publish a chapter, like people respond to free things and paid things, depending on how you set up the value you're offering. So I think like, you know, teasing the book by publishing a chapter and figuring out a way to get people to want to download it or whatever can be really like beneficial. Um, I mentioned to Alyssa, like starting um, a, a paid group where people can get involved. There could be like prompts after someone reads a chapter and you could get people talking. I mean, a few of my friends and I have been doing, um, well, we've been trying to do a book club mm-hmm. just on the phone. And it turned into us just sending each other the books that we're, we've been reading. So we we didn't ever end up reading the same book at the same time, but ultimately we end up reading the same book at some point. So anyways, you could always start a, a book club specific to your content. People, again, they love to answer questions. They love to be asked questions. They like to be involved. Um, I would really be interested in doing something like that if uh, it was the right, you know, content and fit for me. Like I would sign up to do like, let's say you pay $5 a month and you get to meet once a month and talk about the book you read or whatever. I mean, there's so many opportunities there, especially right now with kind of the way our world is, you know, people, people don't have the opportunity to meet in person for a book club. So that could be like a great way to to get your readers involved and kind of hear their different thoughts. So another, what did we talk about? While you're thinking, I'm just going to say, as you were saying all that, I'm like, uh, yes, sign me up. If someone, I, know. Would, I don't think I know of any writers doing this. Obviously I don't have a, you know, a feeling on what every single writer in the world is doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone is, but <laughs> no one I actively follow is doing this. And I'm like, man, I wish they would. There's so many books sitting on my shelf that I need to read and I'm excited to read, but you know, kind of like a to-do list. And it would be so exciting to me if I knew like I can pay, you know, $20, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and be in this book club with other people reading it at the same time as me. And there's like, you know, maybe the writer themselves pops on a call and talks about things that would be so much fun and make reading such a better experience. And then mm-hmm. plus the writer gets to earn more money, which is wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, maybe I'll just write a book so I can start one. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. That'd be so fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. I just think the thinking outside the box, especially using like what, 
you know, I know we talk about, it feels like a really annoying topic, but COVID using that right now too, to see the need that people want connection in ways that they can't, you know, have right now. So I think it would be such a great way to like get people involved and and you could structure that in so many different ways too. It it doesn't just have to be, Oh, I know what I was going to say. It was about if you're an author that is interested in teaching other people how to write. Oh, yes. This is such a good one. That can be a great way to earn a living beyond just like the book you're writing or the content you're producing. You know, teaching people how to structure content creation could be really beneficial. I, I think it's a really difficult skill. And if you have it, you should definitely share it with people because... I love to write and I love editing. It's something that I really actually enjoy. But I I struggle to sit down even to write like a paper in college. Like I loved having like Googling outlines of how to get started because getting started is usually the hardest part. So if you can be that person um, who provides those, you know, content structures or whatever for people to get started writing a book, you know, it could be really beneficial to somebody. For sure. I feel like an, a writer could make their own like masterclass kind of mm-hmm. thing that someone could easily find on their website or you can promote it in your email newsletter and they can pay a one-time you know fee of whatever you want mm-hmm. that automatically puts them into maybe an email sequence that you've already written. Yep. And it will be like a lesson for every email and it's like how to start, what to write, you know, what to do when you have writer's block, things like that would be so valuable. So I, I definitely agree if that's anything you're interested in, that would be a great way to add another sort of revenue stream um, and provide value to people who love your work and would love to learn how to be more like you in their writing. Yeah. And you can always add like extra, you know, upgrades to that too. Like if someone had a chapter they wanted you to review or whatever, and you could give feedback, like that could be an additional cost. There's so many ways that you could package it in order to not only benefit your audience, but also benefit you as a writer. I love that. One more thing I want to add on this point before we move on is something that I hear all the time in our household because my husband read some book. I don't even know the name of it, but it's all about the 80-20 rule. I think that might be the na- the title of the book, the 80-20 okay. rule, but it is something that Nathan kind of covers in his authority book too. So I wanted to mention it. And he talks about, he actually breaks down the revenue he made when he put out an ebook. And while most people will buy like the lowest priced kind of thing, like 1999 ebook mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, there are some people who will buy the like $400 bundle where there's also videos and there's PDFs and there's all these things. And I think a lot of writers, especially creators, it's just hard to value your work. Uh, and it's hard to know like what people will pay for things. And I think it can be scary to have a high ticket item. Mm-hmm. But the 80-20 rule is that 80% of your income will come from 20% of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the small-ish amount of people who purchase the $400 bundle, for example, will actually end up giving you more money than that group of a ton of people who bought the $10 ebook or whatever it may be. So just be sure that you are having multiple offers at multiple price mm-hmm. points. And although it may feel silly to maybe have like a $2,000 course on, you know, whatever you want to have with a lot of your writing and maybe some more hands-on things from you, some people will buy it, uh, which is wonderful. Yeah. I think it's, it's really hard to stand behind your work sometimes when it comes to putting a price on it. And I think what helps is 
exactly what you said, figuring out those bundles and structuring it in a way that makes it really straightforward for people to follow and easy for you as the creator to explain to people who buy something like that from you. I I just know from like my experience when I would work with authors, um, I used to really want to get into, you know, like consulting and helping people build a brand. And the thing that I found was the hardest was not being able to create kind of like those different structured bundles in a way that made my life easier. And instead I found that I was doing a lot more work because I didn't have those separated out in the right way. I was just doing a lot of like extra work. And had I sat down and really been like, okay, you know, this tier will include these five things. This tier will include, you know, and like you were saying, doing the work beforehand to create those videos or that content. Instead, I was like trying to do everything at the same time and it wasn't working. I think had I done things differently, I would have enjoyed trying to do that more, but I just decided it wasn't really for me. And I think a lot of people probably, you have to try it a few times to figure out, you know, how structuring your content and putting a price on it makes sense for you and your audience. And it is a really daunting task, but I think once you figure it out, it should be a pretty easy process to give people that content, have them follow it, and then they can ask you questions and and you don't have to do all the work as it's happening, if that makes sense. Yes, that's so important. I think a lot of us, you know, in general, just human nature, like we... <laughs> I think we can do more than we can. And like, we get excited about something we're creating and we're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I can make that happen. And then once you get into it, I have a similar experience, like with deliverability consulting, I've been really excited about like, you know, I can, I love my job at ConvertKit, but also I could do consulting outside of that. Mm-hmm. And then when people actually do reach out to me about doing consulting work, I'm like, oh, I don't have time. Like I, it's just so much work, but I could, you know, do something more passive where I go ahead and record myself making videos about deliverability and then package it. And then I actually don't have to do the Mm -hmm. work once people purchase. So I think that's a really good point of thinking about your bandwidth upfront and trying to make as much of it sort of like passive income as you can. Mm -hmm. And then if anything does require your hands-on attention, maybe it's like a monthly Zoom call with your readers where they get to have a QA and a with you. Mm -hmm. Just make sure it's something you can, you know, set a time limit for and structure. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, as we know, like if you are a full-time author, like that's taking, um, you know, you don't always say, okay, I'm going to write from nine to five every day. Like, Writing doesn't work that way. And oftentimes, you know, you will be up at night or you'll be up in the morning super early and you have to like go with when your creative juices are flowing and you are, you know, feeling up to all of that kind of coming together. So I think especially for authors, it's really important because you're not working typically like a nine to five job when that is your full-time job. Gosh, yeah, I... I can't imagine. I have a lot of respect for all you writers out there because, oh, it's so hard. I have writer's block so bad all the time. And um, I can't imagine how frustrating it is to want to sit down and write and having a hard time getting the inspiration and making it happen. So hopefully we can help you with some of that. Um, Hopefully this excited you a little bit. Maybe you're thinking about doing an email newsletter now. I would like to have maybe just some time here at the end because some of you listening might be saying, I actually already have an email newsletter and I'm listening to this podcast for some recommendations on how to do it well and how to land in the inbox. So we've definitely already covered a few things just to recap. One of them was 
frequency, um, making sure you're very consistent in your writing. I know it's very hard, but um, that helps your email deliverability and your subscribers know what to expect. So don't send too many emails, you know, definitely don't send more than one a day to your subscribers. And I would probably stick to once a week to your subscribers for most writers. And that helps people get on a nice cadence. Second thing we talked about was the content. Keeping the content really consistent is also great. So in the examples we shared, there was a 3-2-1 from James Clear. It's always a 3-2-1 every week. And then for Tim, he pretty much always has a five-bullet Friday. Sometimes there's six bullets, but usually five. And making sure the content is right for your audience. Mm -hmm. So we talked about how some people want the plain text emails, and that's okay. But some people might want a more colorful or you know, an email with more images. So just making it your own and also making sure it matches your subscribers' preferences. Any other things you can think of, Melissa? Oh gosh, I don't think so. I think we covered most of the things. Um, There's so much opportunity. So it might sound like we talked about a lot of different things in this episode, but I just think it really shows like as an author, the endless you know, things you could do to help your audience provide value. And I think, gosh, we say provide value all the time. And it it really does sound like, you know, kind of cliche, but I just think sometimes it's easy to get focused on what we think our audience wants. And uh, we don't always think about, you know, asking them questions or finding out like, are there things that I'm not providing to you that will either make your life easier or that you're interested in? And so I think that just whenever you're thinking about you know, putting out new content, or if you're looking to do like a course, uh, like create a course, I would just always have that, like, how can I provide value in your mind? Because again, even though it sounds kind of cliche, it's, it's important to remember to like focus on that because ultimately that's going to help you connect with your audience. Yeah, for sure. And that touches on another deliverability best practice, which is recommending or embracing replies Mm -hmm. from your audience, maybe prompting them for a reply on the technical deliverability side, which we love that helps give you a positive signal to the mailbox providers, helps improve your reputation and deliverability because that's seen as a sign of engagement. So that's great. But then on your end, you can learn things from the replies you're getting. So maybe um, like Melissa has mentioned a lot, you know, you're asking questions to your audience about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what's going on, you know, um, any feedback they have. Maybe if you have a Q&A session, you can do that via email. Mm-hmm. You can say, what questions do you have about this book I just wrote? Yeah. And that way you learn, but also your deliverability is going to benefit. So that's great. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, if you have any questions for us, you can always reach us at convertkit.com slash deliverability. There's a form there for you to let us know your questions or if you have any topics you want us to talk about. As always, we would love a five-star review on iTunes because it helps us know that someone's listening yes. and that you're, that we're doing an okay job. So that we're helping somebody out there. This kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like we might not have, you know, a thousand subscribers, but hopefully there's one person out there who feels like they're benefiting from listening. Yeah, seriously, even just one um, five-star review, we both get so excited, Mm -hmm. send it to each other. It helps us know that we're, yeah, we're helping someone. So if we're helping you at all, please go there and do that and we'll be very grateful. Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. What is our um, topic next week? Um, Great question. We are next week talking about a deliverability topic, which is, ooh, most common mistakes in email. Ooh, that should be fun. Oh, it will be fun. I'm excited. (laughs) 
All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.